0: This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Just About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Find Your Happy at Work, It's a book about creating energy in your career and discovering ways to enjoy what you do. Today, we're going to focus on the physical space where you work. Our guest is Doug Shapiro. He's an expert on interior design and product design, and he's the host of the lovely Imagine a Place podcast. Doug will talk about important things to consider as we create workplaces at a time when so much about work is changing. He'll talk about how technology is impacting the way we work, and he'll share tips about how you can make your workplace more supportive and maybe even inspiring. Doug, I know you're a thought leader in the design industry. You've done a lot of things. about physical space and all kinds of design. And I wanna get into the details of what's happening in the world of design in the world of work. But first, before we get into all of that discussion, I'd like to know a little bit about your career. How did you get to this
0: place? Well, I'm glad you asked that question and I'm super excited to be here with you. Um, You know, if I think back on my career I can remember forks in the road, one specific fork, and it's kind of funny, we all have those moments, and sometimes you know right when you're standing at one, and then other times, it's not until years later when you look back and realize the gravity of a certain moment or decision. And so for me, here, here's my story of how I ended up where I was, and there's actually a little bit of a lesson behind this. Um, I, I went to school at Millikan University, and... The owner of the company I work for now was on the board of trustees there, and I was randomly kind of chosen to sit with uh, the board of trustees. I sat next to this gentleman and I realized, uh, you know, that we would be in Barcelona in the same place uh, in in nine months down the road. I was going to grad school there and he was going there uh, for professional reasons. And we ended up... um, we ended up meeting later on in Barcelona, nine months down the road, and had this wonderful conversation, uh, and it turns out I ended up working for his company. And so choosing that one chair in that moment, you know, led me to the company I work for now, OFS, which is an office furniture company. But um, here's, the, here's the kind of weird thing that happened in this. I had all these plans to go to Barcelona, but I was actually uh, rejected. My application was rejected. I wasn't smart enough to get in. Um, And I had this moment where I was like, you know, okay, I'll move on. Um, But it was my parents, actually, that encouraged me, you know, hey, write back. Tell them why you should be accepted. So I actually rejected their rejection. Okay, so I wrote a letter. Yes, I explained all the reasons why I should be, uh, you know, welcomed into the university and uh, they overturned it and they let me in. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because I, you know, it turns out they were right, right? It was way over my head. And I ended up leaving there to go work uh, for that gentleman who I met, uh, Hank Mankey, who now owns OFS. But it is kind of a funny story where I'm standing at that fork in the road. And the lesson was, you know, sometimes you just have to ask.
1: Yeah. And that's such an important lesson. And uh Sometimes it takes us a really long time to learn that. Well, I love how you share stories as a way to um, enter into a podcast. And I know your podcast style because I've been um, kind of listening to yours, the Imagine a Place podcast. I I think you set it up for design professionals, but you go way beyond that. And I I like the tone and I, I like the way you can just meander with the conversation and so you get into some surprising things but but i want to ask you it seems sort of outside of the world of design why did you decide to start this podcast
0: you know there's i think the reason i continue and the reason i started are, are maybe two different things uh i'm i'm really glad you asked that question you know for me being being around such creative people it was, you know, we, we were all talking professionally all the time, but then on those rare occasions when you'd be sitting next to someone and you'd, um, actually take the time to kind of understand their career path the way that you do, you know, on a regular basis, um, I'm amazed at some of the stories that, that are sitting around our industry, uh, and, and was like, well, why aren't these being shared? And so, um, we, we. We're, we're very much learners. I mean, the, the world of design, uh, the world of workplace, um, healthcare spaces, there's so much change going on. And there's a little bit of an echo chamber if all you do is, is, is read the same articles. And so this um, has evolved from being not just uh, a way to kind of understand the creative paths and stories that people have, but now it's also a way to get outside that echo chamber and explore some more kind of cutting edge thinking around design.
1: Do you find that doing the podcast has had an impact on how you're organizing your own life?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I've learned some tremendous lessons, and I'm sure we're going to be able to relate on these. And this is kind of, I'm excited to hear your reaction to these too, because, you know, I have certain guests that come on, and they're able to keep people's attention. And and you can hear it in the comments and the way people respond to the episode. And then I have others that come on with amazing insights, but maybe they don't generate the same sort of interest. So I, I got really into that and I wanted to kind of understand that. And it led me to to these three numbers, which you may or may not have heard of, 55, 38, and seven. And if you haven't heard these, so th- this is how communication breaks down. Okay. 55%, yeah, f- 55% of what we feel from each other is nonverbal. Now, in a moment like this, we're on a podcast, you strip that away. The other 45% is divided by 38 and 7. 38 is how I'm saying what I'm saying. And only 7% of what you actually get from me is what I'm saying. I mean, think about it. If I said the word, if I said the word, thank you, I can say it, you know, like, thank you, or thank you, you know, it means totally different things. And, And that's what I began to pick up on is, Sometimes the people that are so focused on saying the right things, rather than speaking from the heart, um, end up losing their message. And the ones that are less concerned with saying the right thing, but more concerned with just speaking with sincerity, those are the people that seem to hold people's attention. So I got really into kind of understanding that.
1: You know, I do a lot of coaching coaching. By phone, I do it these days by Zoom and other uh, technology too. But I started coaching by phone sometimes years ago, before we were thinking about remote work. And what I find is that audio can be immensely intimate and sharing. And it's partly, I think, because if we're listening so hard, we're picking up emotion. And concern, you know, fear, energy, all kinds of things that we might not notice if we're looking at each other. Do you find the same thing?
0: I do. And, and like you do, I tend to record with the cameras off. And I find myself really paying attention to the words and, and the way they're being said in, in, a, in a different sort of way. So you're right. And our audience, I mean, they, they only get the audio.
1: That's right. Sometimes I find myself kind of getting sucked into the conversation like I might as a coach and I have to stop myself and not ask that next question because <laughs> this is not about asking people to share uncomfortable things. But sometimes it's so easy to forget with audio that you're, it's not just the two of you. Do you get that sensation that you, you're just totally with the person you're speaking with?
0: Absolutely. And I want to try to be in that place um, with my guests. And I've, I've just, I've really, you know, it's really taught me the importance of, of listening, uh, using your whole body to listen, you know, making it a whole body experience where, where you're really deeply interested in the other person. I mean, I'll even start that process, to be honest, I'll start that process before a podcast starts. And this can be applied to your career or anything that you're doing. Um, I'm imagining the conversation I'm going to have. And I'm already kind of sort of falling in love with that person before I even Mm -hmm. engage with them. And part of it is because, you know, that sincerity, that 38%, how you're saying what you're saying, you can't really fake that. Either you're engaged and interested or you're not. And so I guess the way I apply that to my career is to say, you know, before I go into any sort of presentation or engagement, I want to make sure I'm in that positive space with that person in my head. So that that 38%, that wow, I'm saying what I'm saying comes out with authentic, genuine interest.
1: Well, you know, I think this phenomenon we're talking about, the um, exchange and connection building with audio, it's so important now for the new world of work, isn't it? When we suddenly were thrown into widespread remote work for some people, uh, you know, that never connected virtually, uh, but all kinds of people are finding ways to, to make it work. And yet there are also things that are not quite the same. So um, one of the things I'm wondering about is how is is this technology that we have changing the nature of work? And how are you, when you're thinking about office design, thinking about what's going to happen now that we have all these other ways to connect with people?
0: That's a great question. And I get that question a lot when it comes to space. How, how do we respond with our physical spaces to uh, this, the new nature of work today, the hybrid work, the way we're working online and connecting? I think that one of the key things is that our intentionality behind our office planning is becoming much more clear. You know, In, in conventional office planning, we would organize the office as if it were the only place on the planet that you could do your work. And heads down, individualized focus work would basically dominate our floor plans. Um, But it turns out that's the easiest thing to do in other places. Even just one-on-one simple connection is very transportable now. We can do that anywhere. Um, But, you know, why why do we come into a space together? We were really forced for the first time to answer that question. And I think what it comes down to is is co-creation in person sharing, you know, random ideas, building authentic human connections. These are things that need to be done in person. And and when you think about, a, a, you know, a traditional office floor plan, was it set up at all to do those things? Probably not. It was not.
1: set up for control, mostly. I mean, going back in times, it was so the... The managers can kind of look and see and make sure nobody left their desk too often. I mean, back in the day, it started that way, didn't it?
0: Right, right, absolutely.
1: And and so now, um, people are talking a lot. Uh, organizations are talking a lot about how, if we have a hybrid work or you know some variation of work, what we want is for the kinds of things you do in the office space to probably be different than the kinds of things you do at home. And the things in the office space are just what you said. It's about co-creating and collaborating. So one of the things that's trends of recent years has been open space with the idea that people would collaborate and work together if they're in the same Big room, but it didn't quite work out that way, did it? So, what what's the status of open space versus pods? What are people thinking about these days?
0: Well, I, I think the importance is is really choice and empowering people, both at a physical level. I mean, you know, the, the space itself has to offer choice it has to offer different ways to work depending on the nature of the work you're doing in that moment, but it also has to, you know, the culture of the company has to reflect that as well. And I actually think that's kind of where we've fallen down is, you know, during the open office, you know, rush we, we, we saw and we, you know, you read all the fast company articles and wall street articles about how it's the, it's the killer of concentration. And it was like, you know, the open office was the devil. Right. But yeah. it, what, you know, what was really holding us back from doing what we're doing now? Um, you know, Hey, if you needed focus time, you could get that other places, but it was our culture was kind of holding us back. And it was saying, "Well, no, you have to do your work in this one place at your desk." And so that is, um, with that changing, I think it's opened off kind of a new interpretation of what the op- open office can do. Um, you know, if you think about the the purpose of that office now, driven around human connection, around creativity, I mean, creativity is going to be of increasing importance. You know, the kinds of spaces that will support those activities, look very different than, um, than the kinds of spaces that, you know, were, it was, it was almost like we were halfway there. We understood the importance of collaboration, of human connection. Um, but culturally, we weren't embracing that as the number one function of our office today. Um, and I think that's what we're going to see shift. So we'll see open areas, open environments. Um, I think you'll see smaller footprints of, individualized focus spaces but you'll also see a lot more choice for people where you can come into a space and kind of work episodically where hey today is a day I'm having these sorts of functions I'm going to need this sort of place Uh, tomorrow I might not come into the office because I need heads down time that's the sort of work we'll see and the space that will reflect it We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Master's in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash School.
1: I agree that physical space and and, um, organizational culture are really tightly linked. And unfortunately, because physical space is expensive and it lasts, sometimes physical space um, blocks the development of organizational culture. Mm. What do you do if you're in... I do a lot of work with the federal government and they have um, a lot of old-fashioned offices. How do... Are there ways to adapt space when you don't have a huge budget to rearrange everything what do you see people doing to create a greater culture of collaboration and innovation when they don't have big budgets
0: So I I think the the idea of how can space represent culture and how can space better serve the functions of of collaboration and creativity are two separate things. They are somewhat linked, but um, I would say from a culture standpoint, you know, I think for the longest time, the office was sort of the tribute to the company. You know, the logo and the brand colors were everywhere. Mm -hmm.
1: And the big offices in the corner.
0: Yeah, yeah. And if you immersed yourself in these company colors and logos, you would feel that company's culture kind of pulsing through you. But the reality was culture, you know, culture is you know not something you set in place and walk away from and it stays the same culture shifts it evolves it has much more to do with the people the geography Mm -hmm. the leadership than it does the brand promise and I think that's the confusion that happens often is that uh, people people want to reflect the brand promise rather than the culture and the selection of their office materials and spaces but really the brand promise is more outwardly facing the The culture uh, reflecting the culture inside doesn't always have to be done through expensive choices and things. Um, if if you care about the people, you can drop in subtle cues that say you you care about someone's health. And it could be even simple things that are not even furniture related, but um, you know, like healthy food choices uh, could be a simple change in an office. Um, little cues that show that this is a place you can live also it could be a, a a wall of of books that people kind of come in and they do a book exchange and you can leave books on the wall i've seen uh, pictures of your pets in rooms i mean there's so many ways to kind of bring a sense of belonging and to represent the culture of the people in the space um, that are just just more like subtle cues than they are whole uh, attempts at reorganization.
1: I've always cared a lot about my physical space. Even as a little kid, I wanted to arrange things just so. And I, I find I've always been able to get some kind of pleasant, comfortable workspace. Even uh, if I was in a carol as a law student, you know, when you don't have a lot of control, I, I wanted it, you know, like mine. So I suspect there are other people out there, who, whether maybe they're in a home and it's crowded or they're going back to a, an office where um, they don't have a lot of control. But are there things, I think there are, things we can do to make our space more supportive and maybe even a little inspirational. Do you have some, some thoughts about how individuals who don't have control of the big space can um, maybe shift their cubby hole or uh mm. refresh their office
0: yeah absolutely and i love that you thought about that even as a as a as a young woman and as a girl you know understanding your space uh maybe you mr calling maybe maybe i should have been interviewing <laughs> you uh on on design and you know i i think that there's there's different ways to think about yourself and your space um and the two are connected i i think thinking of yourself differently may also help you think of your space differently uh, i'll give an example if you thought of yourself like a professional athlete okay a professional athlete um they understand their body uh at a really almost like a scientific level because you have to to do mm-hmm. your best to run your best mile or whatever it might be and as a corporate athlete really your your body your thing that you're trying to optimize is your brain right so you have to have some degree of kind of brain science and understanding and i think once you start to go down that rabbit hole you start to learn a lot of things about how your space can impact you things like daylight um and and just wow if you're not getting enough daylight if you're if you're you know hold off in a in a basement in your home office and you're not exposing yourself to daylight I mean, there's you're, you're missing out on on so many things that that impact your your brain science. Uh, biophilia is another one. I mean, visible nature can have a calming effect. It can reduce stress. It can increase yeah. creativity. Even things like uh, when you're facing a wall and you've got a large open area behind you, it's our primal instinct to feel a sense of vulnerability when our back is kind of open uh, to a, to a, a wide plane behind us. So there's, there's different things like that. Understanding yourself more like a corporate athlete, um, I I think can open up some concepts. And then I would say, you know, organizationally, I think you can kind of do the same thing. I mean, we have to, we have to understand that, that the people that come into a workplace every day, um, they're all different. Right. And, and. Even as they think of themselves, well, some people are very hypersensitive people, and they need areas of calm. And then others come in, and they're the opposite, right? They do their best work when they're in, you know, high-impact, vibrant spaces. And so that's where that choice comes in, allowing people to kind of do their best. And so I do think this kind of uh, this connection between your space and your brain science is something we all should do better at.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's um, all kinds of things that you can do with physical cues to help your brain be creative, and partly it's uh, helping to manage the anxiety and stress that come to the workplace. But there are things like signs of nature. I mean, I've, I know that uh, there are studies out there saying that if you have a window and you have... Uh, green space outside your window you're going to be in a more relaxed creative mode than if you're in the basement but if you don't have that lovely window some people find it's helpful to have art and plants and other things that reflect the natural world it's uh worth thinking about the things don't you think for each person think about the things that they like and respond to or don't like like clutter and and kind of every once in a while, look around and do a little refresh.
0: Oh, yeah. it. I mean, the the, the plant life is absolutely huge. If you don't have a, a plant, if you're in a home office and you don't have a, a little plant friend, it goes a long way. I will tell you uh, to have that as a part of your life. And I mean, the, the place you're in is always shaping you. It's always shaping your thoughts. And you want to be in a spot that that has those connections to nature, that has those connections to things you love, whether they're photographs or art, um, it's, you have to take the time to do that. And don't think of that as, as selfish time. I mean, you will do your best work when you're in a place that really inspires you and connects you to nature. Um, so think of that as just in, investing not only in yourself, but, but in your career and your work and the people you're doing your work for.
1: I was in an office one time many years ago, uh, kind of a more, at that time, very new open space office with kind of, um, there were a little bit of cubby holes, but basically you could see into everybody's um, office because the walls were only like four feet high. (laughs) So uh, it was beautiful furniture, nice colors, very well done. Uh, a big room and everything was coordinated and cohesive, but it was really creepy in a way because nobody was allowed to make do anything to make their workspace their own because they wanted the colors to be coordinated and so forth. You couldn't have pictures of your family. You couldn't um, have a favorite color choice in terms of a fancy notebook, anything like that that was really awful. So isn't part of it, uh, knowing the style that you like and the things that are meaningful and the things that give you comfort. And as you said, inspiration, and maybe having those there, even if you're, um, working kind of in temporary space, I kind of like to lay out my pens and a notebook and things like that. So it's a, feels like me is, is is that part of how people can um, make their workplace feel more comfortable by having it reflect the things they care about?
0: Uh, absolutely, and I think you know when, when we when we all got sent home, okay, we all realized uh, that we're pretty good hackers. I mean, we we took our spaces that we had to work from at home, and we made it work. We, it was amazing, we cobbled, really. It was amazing we cobbled together you know an environment to, to pull it off and i think we we can't forget that when we come back to our workplaces more regularly um if we come back right or, or to the to the degree that you do come back we can't forget that we are great hackers and i think the the office of the future is a lot less precious than it used to be. It used to be, like you said, that that dining room that you're not allowed to touch anything in, right? Don't, yeah. don't walk in there. Uh, but but it needs to be a place where people feel empowered and they feel like it is their own and they have a sense of belonging here and that the that the place they're in is for them, not for the company. And I think that's when people will bring their whole self to that place.
1: And that is a huge change in many ways. I remember as a young lawyer, I went to my first big corporate office, and they had a huge campus somewhere in the Midwest, and so there was lots of space. And uh, in this big, giant building, my client his office looked like it was kind of disarranged. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I got this big promotion and I'm a little disorganized because they had to shift my office. And I said, what do you mean? He said, he pointed up in the ceiling and there were these tiles on the ceiling. And what had happened is his office had just been expanded because the number of tiles on the ceiling Reflected the rank of the person who had the office, and he had just oh had my. a big promotion, and so whether he wanted it or not, they had moved his wall, and meaning somebody down the line had got a smaller wall, or a smaller <laughs> space. So that kind of creepiness of office reflecting power and um, you know who's in charge. I I'm hoping that's gone forever. Don't you think?
0: I I hope so too and i I really feel like the you know the idea of of hierarchy in general is is completely changing. i mean it there used to be it used to be that the 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 person you know in that spot had all the knowledge, right and then there was this kind of pyramid uh and now knowledge knowledge is everywhere yes and and I think the the kind of networked way of work, and um, the the physical form of work is more reflective of, of knowledge in that way, and, and so should the space, where it's not so much like a pyramid, but it's more like a, a network.
1: I think that is a good place to end our discussion. I just noticed we're out of time, and that, I think, is a very positive note there's some things um that have changed that are going to be for the good and it's going to lead to better leadership and i think a better more enjoyable work day don't you think
0: i certainly hope so um i am i am pulling for that and i as are most of us and i have to say i I really enjoyed uh you know the chance to connect with you and, and speak with you in person after hearing so many of your episodes now
1: well, I feel the same way, Doug, and I, uh, maybe we can talk again sometime. I've totally enjoyed this, and uh, you know, I hope you go on and have a great rest of today.
0: Thank you. Thank you. See you, Bev.
1: Today, we've been talking with Doug Shapiro about workplaces and the future of work. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones author of Find Your Happy at Work. Today's tip is that your physical surroundings can impact how much you enjoy your work and how well you do. Maybe it's time to look around and see how you can make your space more comfortable and supportive of your work. Thanks for listening to Jazzed About Work. And if you like the show, please tell your friends.